listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show in support of European-level actions within the skeptical movement. The ESP is run by individuals representing different skeptical groups from across the continent. This is episode number 56. I'm your host, Andras Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts, Jelena Levin and Pontus Böckmann. Sziasztok! Всем привет! Hey, Sar, hey, son. Hey! Happy New Year! We have the real Andras intro back. Good! Thank Welcome you! Welcome back! Woohoo! How was Italy? Italy is gorgeous as ever. It's it's always been since the beginning of the world, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> Apart from the fact that I've been sick all the way, yeah, I enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, very good. Welcome back, Andras. How's your holidays? Good. Very how good. did how did the year start? Uh, I didn't have anything exciting happening to me yet. Well, it hasn't been a long year so far. So yeah. it's been good. It's been slow. I've actually taken last week. I was uh, off. I've been taking it slow, spending some time with the family. It's good. Mm, that's very good. Uh, that happened to me. Me too. It's been a long time since we got together with a whole family. Mm. So this time it was it was just for a couple of days, but it was it was brilliant. Great. Enough time to 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 get the the tension running. <laughs> okay. <laughs> ah, isn't that always the yeah, case? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's with it's always like that with family gatherings, right? <laughs> yeah, but it, it hasn't been an exciting year so far. But um, however, in Italy, on the first of, of January, there was an earth- earthquake again. Mm. Yeah, it, it wasn't that bad. It was a four point one on the Richter scale, but still, mm. that it, it, there it was. But uh, there, there are lots of things that 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 we can look forward to yeah. this year. QED, Euro- European Skeptics Congress. For the Australian skeptics, there is the Australian Na- uh, Skeptics National Convention as well. I'm pretty sure there's going to be lots of events across the US. And we we just recently heard that uh, there's going to be um, a Rationalist International Conference as well. Yes. In Helsinki, right? Yeah. In Helsinki, in May, in May, between May the twelfth and May the fourteenth. Mm-hmm. Cool. They, they haven't announced any speakers yet, but um, I'm sure it'll be very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, I uh, I just checked uh, the the registration is open already. So yes, the early bird registration. So yeah. I guess you can get uh, a a discount on uh, on the ticket. If your decision on whether to go and or not to go is not dependent on who the speakers will be then uh, you're more than welcome to to register already. Mm. And the registration is open to the European Skeptics Congress as well. Uh, yes, it is. In September. Wow. What a year we're looking forward to. I already have my ticket, so uh, I will be there. Want <gasps> us you too efficient. Mm-hmm. <laughs> too efficient. Is there such a thing? No, I don't Being think so. too efficient. <laughs> so, to be efficient... Um, <laughs> Let's actually start the show, mm-hmm. but um, I'd like to inform our listeners that uh, we've listened to them. We had a little bit of a survey, and uh, there were uh, lots of listeners who t- took the time and actually provided feedback. Thank you very much for that. Mm-hmm. And we listened, and we're going to make some changes um, to the show, starting with this show, with this episode. I'm set to announce that from now on, the event will be in the past. Well, the events will still happen, but we will not talk about them like we do. Well, 
I don't be don't be so sad, Andres. No. Uh, one, you know, one thing is going, and some other things might take its place. More yeah, and I, I would like to emphasize that we are not getting rid of uh, promoting the event. There have been a few very good points made about this. That, uh, for example, that uh, some people are very far behind in their podcast feed. So even if they would be interested in a certain event, uh, by the time they get to actually listen to listening to the show, it's already in the past. But if you want to check out what's going on, we're going to keep updating the calendar that, that we've put together. And we encourage everyone to let us know if there is something going on because we still want to promote everything. And uh, make sure you always check out the calendar and uh, also the page of the actual episode because uh, that's where you'll find all the show notes. Uh, you can do that by visiting our website, which is the ES. .eu. You can also get in touch with us via Twitter, and our Twitter handle is espodcast underscore eu, or email us, email address is info at theesp.eu, or you can like us on Facebook. Um, also, don't forget to leave your reviews um, on iTunes if you're getting our podcast through, the, um, through them. And on the website, theesp.eu, you'll find a menu item that says events in Europe. And that's where you'll find a calendar. Just like you always have. All right. Um, some other changes might occur going forward. You'll probably see a few things. Like, um, we're going to try to change the pace of our news segment and um, go into a bit of an in-depth analysis only from time to time when when we actually have something that we really want to, to do that with. And um, on this day, we'll transform into This Week in Skepticism uh, to get a larger scope of things. But obviously, since we are going to uh, keep to the structure of the alternating structure of uh, an interview episode followed by an episode packed with all these segments, you'll see those or you'll notice those changes from next week. And uh, I think that's about it, because for this week, we have an interview. Mm, yes, and good this one. interview is something again, something that we've been waiting for uh, for a very long time. Not blaming it, this on anyone; it's just that it it took a while for all of us, all four of us, to to get together again. I think it's about time we actually listened to that interview. On every other episode, we interview a person representing an organization or project either from a certain European country or stretching across borders. Today, our guest is Richard Saunders, who is the host of one of the longest-running skeptical podcasts, The Skeptic Zone, that regularly features news, people and organizations from Europe. Richard is a life member and two times former president of Australian Skeptics Inc., but being a man of many talents, he's also an actor, a master of origami 
and many other things. He wrote, produced, and edited two documentaries, one of them being The Vaccination Chronicles, that has subtitles in at least eight languages, thanks to an international effort with several European skeptics involved. Richard, welcome to the show. Vielen Dank. Guten Morgen, guten Tag und guten Abend. Oops, wrong language. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Hello, Richard. How are you? <laughs> Welcome, Richard. Thank you. It's wonderful. It's wonderful to be uh, on the ESP, especially since I've been following the progress of the podcast. Uh, and um, I think I've spoken to Pontus uh, a few times over the years, and Andres too. I think both of you have been on my show. Yes, but yes. Elena, Elena, yes, not you, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> we are very grateful for you for for all your uh, help and efforts. In, in bringing uh, European skeptics and world skeptics indeed together. Um, and, uh, so I, I, I should say that you do have a hand in, uh, the formulation of the ESP. Ooh. Um, um, actually, you're not the first person we, we, we say that to, but, uh, you could be one of the godfathers. <laughs> you could be one of the godfathers of the show. Yes, uh, he say, just says it to people when when he wants them to like him. So you know. Yes, you say that to all your guests, and then you cut it out in the editing. No, right? <laughs> no it's not true. No. Uh, no, but you've been an example for us, of course. Richard. Thank you, thank you. Absolutely. Well, one of the one one of my uh, thoughts from day one of the Skeptic Zone, which started in two thousand and eight, was that I knew it was a worldwide podcast because all podcasts go around the world. And I thought, well, why don't I use my show to help promote other people and other events all around the planet? For example, in for many years, I was running uh, promotions for the Norwegian skeptics, the Irish mm -hmm. skeptics uh, yeah. throughout Australia, of course. It doesn't matter to me. Russia, France, uh, if, if there's a skeptical organization out there doing good skeptical work and I can help, then that's what I should do. And that's what I try to do. And this is how we ended up on, on your show, uh, Pontus mm. and I, uh, when, when you did an interview with both of us. Um, yes. And yeah, you indeed r have run, on many occasions, our uh, promotions as well. So like Absolutely, the, the promotions yes. of the, our, our organizations. And part of the reason why we came up with the idea of, of doing this podcast is because, because of your activity and your outreach to European skeptics. And we thought... Okay, there could be a European skeptical podcast as well. That that is really that that's focus is really on European skepticism. So, thank you very much for that, Richard. Really, no, it's it's uh, it's from my point of view, it couldn't have worked out better. This is exactly what this uh, I was hoping in the back of my mind. I was hoping to achieve that through promotion of other groups. Other groups might get together. People would meet people who would never meet, have never have met. Um, people fall in love because of me. Oh, it's so nice. <laughs> Have lots of skeptical babies and they all call them Richard. It's amazing. <laughs> Even the girls. It could be. Could be. Hasn't happened yet, but it could be. <laughs> the, the other thing is I can't imagine that any of our listeners don't know uh, what the skeptic zone is. But for, for, for the two of them, <laughs> the, the, those two people out there who don't, uh, could you please tell us a little about yourself and, and the podcast and how it started? Well, I've many years before the Skeptic Zone, I was doing uh, little audio things, experimenting in the very early days of podcasting. Uh, and I had an audio show called The Skeptic Tank. And then after a while, I thought, well, why don't I use my video uh, production skills and I make a little show every week? Uh, for YouTube um, called the 
tank. I just dropped the word skeptic. I don't know why. And so for about 10 episodes, I made a video show with reporters and interviews and uh, on the scene, all this sort of stuff. But it was so hard. It was so hard to produce a half hour of television, really, every week on Skeptical Matters, that that was fun. But I stopped doing that and went back to audio because it really uh, hit me that people listen to Skeptical or any podcasts while they're running, while they're in their car, while they're doing the the work at home, uh, wherever they are. I get letters from uh, truck drivers in Canada (laughs) driving big rigs across the, the Arctic or whatever saying, hi, Richard, I like your show. And I think, wow, there's someone in Canada driving a giant truck. And they <laughs> amazing, can't, yeah. Amazing. And I'm, I'm sure the same case is for you. But they can't do that uh, and watch a show. But listen, yeah. you can listen to a show anywhere. So that's why I started back on audio podcasting. And I thought, well, uh, it's hard to do it, most of the work by myself. So then I started to get reporters. And that's what the show has been ever since it started. It's segments. It's a show in segments or a magazine-style show. So it starts with me, an introduction. Then we'll have a reporter doing a report. We might have me doing reading something or interviewing somebody, another interview. It's all in segments. So if you want to listen to the show in bits, you can. You can listen to a segment, stop next morning you can listen to the next segment or or whatever you like and it also keeps the show uh fresh in a way because i never know what's going to be on the show every week yeah <laughs> so so how how long have you been doing the skeptic zone now it's been almost 10 years right almost yeah i started in september tw- 2008 yeah the skeptic uh, zone but in in a, for five years before then i was doing little bits and other pieces of sort of skeptical uh broadcasting but the official, the one, the best one, the Skeptic Zone started in 2008. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you, uh, did you start it? Was it the plan to begin with to do it all by yourself? Or did the, so, or did you already in the beginning have the idea that you would bring in other reporters, as you call them? Oh, when the Skeptic Zone started, I, I before it started, I, I got some reporters together because okay. I knew that if the show was going to be successful, then I couldn't do it all by myself. I can't do it an hour every week. Or in the early days of the show, the, the, it was an hour and twenty minutes uh, because <clears throat> I based the time on the Skeptic's Guide to the Universe. But now the show is anywhere from forty-five minutes to an hour every week, and that that's okay. But yes, I couldn't do it without the uh, the reporters who who send me files and information and and reviews and um, all sorts of wonderful things, and they really help make the show. Mm. Of course. Um, and also, Richard, you you are uh, behind something called the Mystery Investigators. Uh, will you tell us uh, what that is? Yeah. Well, even before the Skeptic Zone, way back in two thousand and three. I was at a skeptic Australian skeptics convention and we had our annual dinner and I was at the same table with a teacher from a local high school who said oh wouldn't it be great if some skeptical show or critical thinking show came and spoke to the kids and I and my friend Linda Brown who was on the committee at the time and my other friend Ian Bryce our chief investigator thought this sounded like a great idea and over the next couple of months, we developed a little show showing water divining and physics and magic and all sorts of things. And the very first show we did for free, just to see how it went, and it hasn't stopped. So after 
what, this will be 14 years now or something like that. The Mystery Investigator Show travels to schools. We do the Australian Museum every year here in Sydney. And it's a it's a 45-minute to over an hour show of bed of nails, physics, optical illusions, um, lots of fun, lots of uh, candy being thrown out to children, <laughs> which they love. <laughs> and it's all critical thinking and skepticism. Um, so that's my other passion. Yeah, the, the, the Mystery Investigators has, has been a, a great show. Really enjoy it. Yeah, so uh, Mystery Investigators, Skeptic Tank, then the Skeptic Zone. Uh, and we're going to be covering a lot of other things. So you're an a- extremely busy man. <laughs> um, but you are also an actor and yeah. an expert on origami. Yes. How do you find time for those? <laughs> well, I have to do these other things to help pay the bills, of course. Uh, the origami, oh, okay. I, it's been a passion of mine for many years. Uh, when I was younger, in my 20s, I wrote um, I can't remember how many books I wrote on origami. It's another lifetime ago. And I've also produced a DVD on origami with a friend of mine. Uh, that's great. And I love it. I love doing origami because it uses a different com- part of my brain. And I can get just not even think about skepticism and critical thinking. It's it's artistic and it's fun. The acting I do part time. Uh, I do a little what they call bit part acting, which is minor characters in in tv and in and movies a lot of background work a lot a lot of mm-hmm. people know that as extra work which is uh good it's a lot of fun i get to dress up and play soldiers and doctors and lawyers and all sorts of things mm-hmm. and for two seasons here in australia i was uh the judge on a reality tv program you, you probably have the same thing in all your countries where they have contestants come up and the judges sit there and they either make it through to the next week or they don't, that sort of thing. Well, this was a, a, a show based on psychic ability, and I was the skeptical judge. So that was a lot of fun, too. So they, I, I think I need all these separate parts of my life. Otherwise, I'd, I think I would go crazy just concentrating on one. I, I knew, as much as I have a passion for skepticism and critical thinking and teaching it and uh, investigating – I can't do it all the time. Otherwise, I think it, it would stop, stop being interesting for me or fun. So I, I need to diversify, I think. Yeah. You already mentioned that you're, you're already from the start have had an international uh, reach or ambition. Uh, so is there any chance that we would see you in Europe, uh, perhaps in the European Skeptics Congress in uh, Poland in September? Oh, there's always a chance, Pontus. Yeah. There's always a chance. It's, uh, <laughs> I, I am not committing to uh, anything at this very early stage in 2017. We'll see what the year brings. But of course, I would dearly love to. I was very honored, oh, four or five years ago now, to be invited to the Czech Republic, to the city of Olomouc, where they have an international science film festival every year. And they kindly uh, uh, invited me to to go over and be a judge for their international film section. And as an amazing coincidence, that year, the second theme of the uh, conference was uh, uh, mathematics and origami. Oh, so wow. I had I had one of the best weeks of my life. Of course. And, wow. <laughs> a big a big hello to the, my, my good friends in Olomouc in the Czech Republic, which is just beautiful. So um, and I lived in Germany many years ago. 
which uh, I dearly love. So, yeah, I, I, I think Europe is, is a wonderful place and uh, I wish I could get there more often. But I happen to live on the other side of the planet and it's a long way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah and um, you were at one of the QEDs as well, right? Two. Yeah. Two QEDs. I was. Yes. Okay. The QED people very kindly uh, flew me over to speak at, their, uh, their, at QED one year. And as, as a big coincidence, the following year when I was going to this Olomotes convention, mm -hmm. it coincided with QED. So I went to QED oh, again. Fortunate. Yeah. And doubly fortunate for me in a way was Ben Goldacre was lined up to speak and he had to cancel at the last minute. Oh. So uh, I stepped in and I took the session instead, which was a, a great honor. And then I flew to the Czech Republic. So that was a, quite, a, quite a great time. But QED is wonderful. And I'm so jealous of Aran Segev, our, uh, our president and reporter on the Skeptic Zone who met you all over there recently. Uh, and he did a lot of wonderful interviews. Now, that's a great example of somebody who is able, when he travels, to have his microphone and do reports for the Skeptic Zone. Yeah. It works very well. Yeah. Um, so slightly changing the topic to uh, something called the Vaccination Chronicles that has been mentioned in the introduction. Mm. Um, that was an international effort. Uh, will you tell us how did it come about and was uh, was it that big of an issue in Australia? Yes, well, this is something the Australian skeptics have been very much involved with over the last five, six, seven years. Now, originally, the Australian skeptics were set up in the 19, early 1980s to investigate paranormal, like like a lot of the, the early skepticism. UFOs and Bigfoot and Loch Ness Monster was a big reason early skepticism uh, got kicked off. And that's great. I love that stuff. I deeply love uh, that old-fashioned skepticism. But yes, uh, as important as that is, especially when teaching critical thinking, the fight against vaccination around the world, and in, in, especially in Australia, really caught our attention. And we have the anti-vaccination groups here who tell parents not to vaccinate. Vaccination will cause autism. You know, the, the story you've heard so many times. That's a very important issue. The more I, I looked at this issue, I thought, you know, what, what parents might benefit from is hearing from people, older people who lived through a time before widespread vaccination. What was it like? Because we don't know. I'm vaccinated. I'm sure you're all yeah. vaccinated. Children are vaccinated. We don't see people dying of yeah. whooping cough and smallpox and uh, diphtheria and all these terrible diseases. So I, I went with my camera and I found people who saw their mothers or their children or their relatives die because they didn't have access to vaccination. And I interviewed these people and I made about a half hour documentary called The Vaccination Chronicles, The Stories is another word, of a time before vaccination. Now, uh, again, I, I, I was the cameraman and I was the producer and the editor and all that sort of stuff. But where the international part comes in is that I really wanted this to have a wide reach. I didn't want this to be limited to English-speaking people. So I had people from all around the world listen to it or get a transcript of it in English and translate sentence by sentence into lots of languages, Russian, Italian, French, German, uh, Swedish, and many more that I just can't quickly recall. And I, I was so pleased. It, it's, it's a wonderful example of international skepticism. People giving up their time around the world to make something that thousands of people will hopefully benefit from and which hopefully will make a difference. Mm. Young parents, no matter where they're looking at this, 
can see, oh, people did die. Babies did die. And uh, it, it might make them think. So that, that, I'm very, very pleased with that. And I was very happy to help uh, make a completely Swedish version of the of the DVD mm-hmm. from artwork to language to everything which I uploaded onto the internet and Pontus downloaded and burnt yes. and and handed out I I thought that was terrific <laughs> so I hope I mean I hope all these things inspire other people maybe other people around the world can think wow maybe I can do something internationally that that reaches mm. around the world and helps promote uh, science and reason and maybe you know, maybe we can actually help save lives, which would be a terrific thing. Yeah, and uh, it it really felt very, very good. It's available uh, with with many other languages on the Australian Skeptics Inc.'s uh, uh, YouTube channel. Yes, it is. Or if people just Google the Vaccination Chronicles, it'll come up. It, it's on YouTube. I think it's even on a Dutch YouTube site in Dutch. Anyway, yeah. but... but and another thing I must say, my policy was as soon as I made it and produced it and I put a lot of time and effort into it, as as you can understand, my aim was not to make one dollar out of it. It must yep. be free. It must be a free online. It must be free for people to copy. And in fact, on the DVD itself, if I remember correctly, it actually says, please copy this. Yeah. Mm. You know. Yeah. Uh yes. now I can do I can do other things to make money. That's great. You know, if if I need to do another project for for income, I'll do that. But this I thought was too important for me to say I'm trying to make money out of it. No, I don't. You take it, copy it, give it away. It's 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 there for the world and that was a good feeling. And uh, for those who haven't seen the the video, I genuinely think that even skeptics have to use the tools of emotional effect. Oh yeah, it's not it's not a um, a dry scientific kind of material with with lots of data and everything. It's it's all people, and yeah. um, and this is why it's so powerful. And for those who want to do something, they can still work on translating the subtitles. And uh, what what how we got to to that was uh, and let me mention uh, here Susan Gerbic. Uh-huh. who got to us with with uh, this and uh, actually I personally got in touch with you through her. Well, ah, right. That's good. Yes. yes. I saw her a few weeks ago in New Zealand. Oh, I love Susan very much. She's great. And yeah, and, and it it went very well along with, uh, with the efforts of uh, Guerrilla Skepticism on Wikipedia mm. that also aims at doing something internationally and on in different languages and uh she encouraged us to do this translation and uh yeah it's it's a very good thing that she did let me get back to australia and uh because there is something that might be a very good example to other countries across the world the no jab no pay policy can you tell us what what is uh how it came about do you have anything to do with it uh I don't think it would be wrong for uh, the Australian skeptics to, to claim credit for government policy. We hope we can help influence it mm-hmm. by good, uh, reasoned debate. But the no jab, no pay and no jab, no play, they're two slightly different things, basically says, this is from the government saying that you don't have to vaccinate your children. There's no such thing as mandatory vaccination. But if you still wish to uh, keep receiving certain benefits from the government, 
uh, for child welfare reasons or, or this sort of thing, then your children must be up to date with their vaccination. It's an incentive. And it worked very well. A lot of parents then looked at their vaccination schedule and realized that they were missing one or they were a bit behind or whatever. But the hardcore, the anti-vaccination uh, crowd uh, took exception to this and they were trying to f mount legal challenges which didn't go anywhere. Yes, the no jab, no pay means if you don't have your children vaccinated, you may miss out on certain benefits from the government. Hmm. And it, it's a good scheme. It, it, it certainly helped a lot of parents remember or be uh, motivated to get their children up to date with their vaccinations. But no, I'm afraid we can't, we can't march around saying, look what we did. <laughs> we may have helped. <laughs> do you actively, as an organization, do you actively try to influence uh, government policies? Well, yes, I guess we do, uh, because that's how things really get done. You know, if we, we've discovered that if, if something really has to change, it has to be a from the, the highest authority. It has to be a government thing. Yeah. Uh, for example, many years ago, when the power band, the power balance, the wristbands that gave you magical strength and power were very popular, uh, we exposed them here in Australia as not being able to work. But, a but really, to really stop them, it took the government directing the company here in Australia to put up retractions saying mm -hmm. this product does not work. And that was very, very powerful. It's the government who can stop things like homeopathy, for example, or, or slap regulations on it or, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's something every skeptic should keep in the back of their mind. We can make a lot of noise. We can go on TV. We can do lots of stuff. But for real change, it has to be something from society. And in this case, society represented by the government. Mm. Going back to uh, international events and big uh, conventions and things like that, you have a, a few of your own in Australia. The Australian Skeptics National Convention, I think, may be mm. the longest-running event of its kind in the world. Is is that true? I, if if not the longest, one of the longest, I think our first convention was, wow, 1982 or three. Yeah. Something like that. And every year since then... We've had a, a national convention, and one year, in 2010, it was a TAM. It was an amazing meeting with James Randi and our national convention combined here in Sydney, and that yeah. was a lot of fun. So, yes, we've had a, a long tradition of, of uh, Australian Skeptics National Conventions, and we move from city to city. So one year it'll be Sydney, then Melbourne, uh, Adelaide, Canberra, Brisbane. We, tr we try to move it around the big cities, yeah. and that's a lot of fun. Yeah. And although it, it's called a national convention, it's pretty international, isn't it? <laughs> oh, well, we, we, every year, depending on budget, we'll see who we, we can bring out. And uh, that's always been a, a highlight of the convention, to have uh, international guests, which is, which is uh, wonderful for us. And people normally love to come and visit Australia and look at kangaroos. Well, I've been to Australia and I, I have to say that it's a beautiful country. Although I I only I only saw parts parts of it around Sydney and Canberra, but uh, still, and uh, Blue Mountains National Park. Oh, is, very nice! Yes, it's just amazing. It's unbelievable. It is. I can second <laughs> that. I've, I've I've been there as well. It's just incredible. The next question, um, Richard, is uh, is a made-up question. Um, what kind of war would you wish was actually true, or working, um, if you had the choice? Mm. That's funny. I was asked this a, a little while ago by Susan Gerbeck, and I said, uh, better uh, energy. A lot of the claims we investigate are machines that don't work. They're, they're silly machines that, that, that use pretend magical energy to do things, that, and they don't. 
And I thought, well, if if something was to be true, I'd like an engine that really did work on mystical powers that could power our society and, and help stop pollution. But uh, that, but apart from that, I don't know. I think if, if, if I let one bit of woo magic be real, then that would upset the whole of physics and I think the whole world would collapse. So I don't think I want any woo to be real, really. <laughs> Maybe... Although it would be fun to be visited by aliens, but that wouldn't contradict any laws of physics. That would simply no. be a natural a natural event. Um, a good question. May, uh, I don't know. Maybe I could be like Superman and fly around. Then I could get to, to uh, Europe really easily. Hmm. Yeah, that one. <laughs> now that you mentioned Maynard, I think we all agree that Maynard is a fantastic <laughs> asset for the Skeptic Zone and the team of reporters of the Skeptic Zone. But Maynard is, uh, for those of us who don't, who don't know, is a television presenter, a comedian, uh, a broadcaster. How did you manage to get him on your team? That's phenomenal. Yeah, a lot of people ask me that because in Australia, and uh, uh, for all your Australian fans listening to this podcast at the moment, well aware of Maynard because in the uh, in the eighties and the nineties, he was the number one radio morning radio DJ. He was on lots of TV programs. He's known for being crazy and funny and sharp and, and interviewing lots of big stars. And he's he's just one of the best reporters that I know. You give him a microphone and anybody and he can do a wonderful interview. He's just a natural at it. And many years ago, uh, we happened to interview Maynard on the Skeptic Zone. And it was so long ago now, I can't exactly remember the topic. But he came along and, and met us and, and we did a little interview. And he was just, just really warm and friendly and a nice guy. And I think after that, we invited him for another drink or something like that. And he expressed interest in doing a little an interview or something for the show. And I was absolutely floored. I thought, wow, Maynard on my show, that's fantastic. And that relationship just grew and grew and grew until now. He's a really big part of the show. Uh, he and I have been very good friends now for, for many years five, six years, which is really nice. And I can always rely on him to, to do great, not only interviews, but uh, field reports. If we go somewhere, he'll bring his microphone and suddenly he's running around doing reports. I took him to the amazing meeting in Las Vegas once and he gave me, I can't, I can't even, what was it now? Probably close to a hundred different reports and interviews. Wow. Over three days. Wow. It was, yeah, uh, but that's what he loves to do. So, yeah, he's a great asset to the show. Uh, he's a terrific guy. And he does his own funny podcasts, too, at maynard.com.au, which are really worth listening to. So I was very, very lucky in that respect to to have someone with such a huge uh, uh, natural talent as Maynard on the show. Um, Richard, where can people find you online, um, learn more about you, your podcast? The best thing to do would be go to skepticzone.tv is the website, or just Google The Skeptic Zone. If they Google my name, uh, the Susan Gerbeck helped put together a Wikipedia page. People can read all about me. Uh, th that's, that, that'll do. People can easily find me, uh, by Googling my name or skepticzone.tv. And, uh, Hopefully, listen to the show. See if if you like it. That that's that's fantastic. Uh, from day one, my policy was to do a show that informed people, that helped people, that uh, educated people, and really entertained people. 
So uh, that's the that's the best thing to do, and it shows every week for eight nine years every week. So yeah, a big a big fraction of my life has been the skeptic zone now. <laughs> Richard Saunders, again, thank you very much for being here with us. Uh, also, thank you very much for being such an inspiration to us. Definitely. And uh, please keep up the fantastic work you're doing. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> All right, thank you very much, Richard. Thanks a lot. Vielen Dank und tschüss. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Bye-bye. It never ends. A friend starts talking about his new Reiki master, and someone else just posted about another all-natural cancer cure that they don't want you to know about. As skeptics, we dedicate a lot of time trying to protect those around us. But there's a way that you can reach millions. Guerrilla Skepticism on Wikipedia is a group that is working to keep the best skeptical information at everyone's fingertips in all languages. Join us. Training is self-paced and fun, and we have our very own super-secret Facebook group. You will be educating the world in your sleep. To find out more, email us at gsowteam at gmail.com. Gorilla Skepticism. The time is now. Music by binsound.com. Oh, right. This was super fun. And we've been waiting for this for such a long time. Yeah, well, Richard uh, is such a nice guy. Really yeah. good. Indeed. Fantastic. Well, the good thing is that this year is going to be packed with all the events, international events. So he might, he might just turn up at one of those. But I think this is what we came together for mm-hmm. regarding yep. this episode. So... Let's just uh, say, um, call call this a night mm-hmm. and uh, say goodbye to our listeners. Goodbye for and now. And I'd like to thank both of you. Thank you, Andras. Thank you and, very much, guys. And until next time, goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye-bye. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments or death threats to info at the ESP.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Schraub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe Like like a lot of the, the early skepticism. Ah, uh, who's that? That's my nephew. That's a skeptic baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Uh, All right, we'll no. I'll start again. It's okay. <laughs>
Or, or what about what about reading people's mind? Or, or maybe that's that's too much trouble. I think. Oh, I wouldn't want to read people's minds. I, no, I have I'm... enough trouble reading my own. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you bloody skeptics.